This morning, our scripture passage comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Exodus, chapter 20, we're making our way through the Ten Commandments. And you can turn there in your Bibles to Exodus, chapter 20. And this morning, we're going to look at the longest commandment in verses 8 through 11. So please stand for the reading of God's word. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Listen to God's word. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. Closed on Sunday... You're my Chick-fil-A. Hold the selfies, put the gram away, get your family, y'all hold hands and pray. Close on Sunday, you're my Chick-fil-A. You're my number one with a lemonade. These are the lyrics of the provocative rapper Kanye West. And what he expresses here is the importance of shutting down kind of like Chick-fil-A. I know he's kind of referring to God like Chick-fil-A, but let's go with the lyrics here. But he's saying, stop work on Sunday and go to church. Y'all hold hands and pray. Now, while this song produces, produced some controversy uh, when it came out on the Internet, What Kanye West probably didn't anticipate was that he was actually stepping into the middle of a big theological debate among Christians concerning the fourth commandment. You see, the fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Don't do any work on it. And of course, questions abound. So what can we do on the Sabbath day? What can I get away with on a Lord's Day? Or is the Lord's Day even the Sabbath day? Is, I mean, d- does it even apply to us anymore? Uh, the, the Jews were commanded to not work on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, and yet our Lord's Day is Sunday. So is it the same thing? Is the Christian Sabbath the, you know, is it even a Christian Sabbath? Or how would we even keep this commandment if it is? So before we get into some of those, to answering some of those questions, I think it's important for us to review again why the law is given to us. To review again the purpose of the law, because this will help us to really understand the fourth commandment. Now, when it comes to the law, we know that it is applicable to all Christians. Every one of the Ten Commandments is mentioned in the New Testament. They have all been deepened transformed by the coming of Christ, and this one perhaps more noticeably than all the other Ten Commandments. 
Again, Christians keep the law not because they want to earn favor with God in order to, in order to somehow please God so that we can earn our salvation, but we keep the law because we have been saved. We walk by faith because we are saved. And furthermore, Jesus summarizes the law, doesn't he, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We know those two big commandments. Like, this is the way Jesus has summarized the law. And this is really essentially the summary of the Ten Commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. That's really the summary of the Ten Commandments. So what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, the first three commandments we've seen has provided some guidance. First, you love God by giving him your undivided allegiance. Undivided allegiance. You shall have no other gods before me is what it says. You shall not have social justice before me. You shall not have your work before me. You shall not have your hobbies before me. You shall not have your political agendas before me. No, you shall have no other gods before me. That is the way you love your God. Second, you love your God with an undiminished worship. You shall not make for yourself an image. It's important not only who you worship, but how you worship. And as we saw last week, you love the Lord your God by keeping his name untarnished. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall bear up his name. And this morning, we see one more way that God's people love God. And it's right here in the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You shall love God by prioritizing your time with him, by resting on that blessed day that the Lord made holy. So here's what I want to do this morning. First, I want to spend some time understanding the Sabbath. This is going to be a, there's a lot for us to go over, and I'm going to only be able to touch on some of it. But I'm going to try and provide a biblical overview, kind of take a look at the Old Testament, take a look at the New Testament, and see if I can come up to a summary at the very end. And second, I want to finish with three ways we can be observing this commandment in our lives. Ultimately, my greatest desire for you this morning is that you would learn to cherish and delight in the Sabbath itself, to delight in the fourth commandment, to long for it, and to exult in it. So first, let's try and see if we can get a grasp of the Sabbath, understanding the Sabbath. Now, I think if we're honest with ourselves, when it comes to the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment is kind of like the commandment that we love to hate. Uh, we, we respect those who are a little bit more strict with the commandment. Chick-fil-A, you're closed on Sunday. You know, good for you. Or we remember Eric Little and Chariots of Fire. I will not run on a Sunday, you know. And, and we think, that's probably not what he sounded like, but he doesn't run on a Sunday. But, but we understand that, oh, wow, that's really honorable somehow. And while we respect those who try to keep it, many of us actually chafe under the fourth commandment. We rarely relish it or delight in it. We don't see it as blessed, as it says in verse 11, that it should be a blessed day. 
actually keeping the Sabbath feels inconvenient and actually a little unproductive. Uh, Somebody once asked Bill Gates why he didn't believe in God. And he said, he said, just in terms of allocation of time resources, religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more I could be doing on a Sunday morning. Yet, however inefficient, the Sabbath cannot be seen as unimportant. This is, in the Ten Commandments, the longest of the ten. And it's mentioned here, the Sabbath law is mentioned in the Torah more than any other commandment. It's also the only one of the Ten Commandments that Israel has already known about. Right? Remember when we were earlier in Exodus, Exodus 16, and the nation of Israel, they're given manna, and God says to them, collect for six days, but on the sixth day, get double, because on the seventh day, you're resting. So it's kind of already given to them. You could, in the Old Testament, be killed for not keeping the Sabbath. And I don't know if you realize this, the reason why Israel eventually would go into exile is because they did not keep the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is very important. It's one of the most important laws in all of Scripture. Now, the commandment itself is fairly straightforward. It says right there, remember the Sabbath. Now, this doesn't simply mean, don't forget it. It doesn't simply mean, om, Sabbath. You know, it doesn't mean just think about it. It's not a bare mental activity. Rather, it means to keep it and put it into practice. You know, sometimes I tell my children when they're kind of going off to school, I tell them that old phrase that Christians like to say, which is, remember who you are and remember whose you are. And uh, we understand what that means. It's not just remembering. It means live it out. And the commandment goes on to say, keep it holy. In other words, set it aside. It's to be distinct from all other days as special. And it's a focused day on the Lord. It says, it says right there, direct your attention to the Lord in verse 10. To the Lord your God. There's to be no fudging of this commandment. You can't say, okay, I'll keep this commandment, but I'll have all my direct reports do the work for me. I'll put my ox to threshing so that it will do the work while I rest. God says, no, you missed the point if you try to keep the business running by using servants or animals or relatives. So shut it all down. Now, the question is why? Why would we do this? What is the crux? Uh, What is the underlying principle of making this so important? Look at verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. This is really important verse for us. The reason God gives for blessing the Sabbath day and making it holy is because God created the world in Genesis 2 and rested on the seventh day. Now, think about this with me. For six days, God is creating the world. He forms the world, and then he fills the world. On the, sixth gray, on the sixth day, God makes man the crown jewel of his creation. Male and female, he created them. He made them in his image. And then, after all of that, God does what? He, he stands back, doesn't he? But his eternal purposes are not over. 
For creation, in one sense, is still incomplete because God has more to give. God has something else to do. He has something else, something, something else to give, something even more breathtaking. And what does God do? He gives himself to the man. That's what he's doing. Uh, th- think about what it means that God is resting. Isn't that God had a really busy week and just kind of needed a nap? He is the omnipotent, never sleeping, never wearying God. God resting means that God stood back at the beauty of creation and says, let my creature, the one made in my image, just stop every seven days and commemorate with me the fact that I am the creator who has done all this. Let him stop working and focus on me and be with me and love me and be loved by me and see that I am the source of all that he has. In other words, on the seventh day, God gives what man could not have produced on his own. God gives himself to man that man might enjoy him. Jesus says in Mark 2:27 The Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath The goal of creation was not simply creation it was so that on the 6th day the pinnacle of creation humanity those made in his image may enter into his rest the fellowship of rest the harmony of walking with God in the garden. God wants to enjoy his image bearers. He wants his people to love him, to glorify him, and to enjoy him forever. A pastor once said regarding the Sabbath, God was making time for man, and man was to make time for God. Now, the rest of the Old Testament helps us to understand how the fourth commandment took shape in ancient Israel. In Leviticus, we see that it is actually a convocation or an assembly. This is, the, this is for the gathered people of God. In Amos 8, loving the Lord, trusting the Lord meant resting from business on the Sabbath day. But by the time we get to the New Testament, Israel had turned the Sabbath into a burden. The Pharisees interpreted and reinterpreted the Sabbath until finally it was an accumulation of details and rituals that made the seventh day the worst day. They did not keep the Sabbath, but they defiled the Sabbath. They turned it into a magnifying glass to judge other people. Oh, what are they doing on the Sabbath? And this is why Jesus was so grieved with their hardness of heart and said in Mark 2.27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a gift of love to meet man's need, not an oppressive burden to make him miserable or proud. In the Jewish Talmud, this is a text that provides details on kind of how to keep rabbinic law, uh, how to keep the law. There are 24 chapters 24 chapters listing all the Sabbath laws of what you had to do or to not break the Sabbath. I mean, 24 chapters. I don't think you can read 24 chapters in six days. You're bound to miss something. Uh, So these laws would say things like you can't travel more than 3,000 feet from your home on the Sabbath day. You can't carry a burden that weighs more than a dried fig. I don't even know what that means. A scribe can't carry his pen a student can't carry his books. 
you can't take a bath. And some of you are happy about that, but you can't take a bath for fear water would spill onto the floor and wash the floor as it fell. What was meant to be a map to please God, a map to human flourishing and enjoying life with God was turned into this millstone. So Jesus, who never broke the Sabbath, seems to almost intentionally go out of his way to heal on the Sabbath. He healed the man with a shriveled hand. He healed the crippled woman. He healed the man suffering from dropsy, showing that Sabbath day is a day of freedom. Sabbath day is a day of doing good. The Sabbath day is a day of of mercy towards others. Now, even then, we're still left wondering, okay, what does that mean for us? Is the Sabbath required for believers now that the new covenant has arrived in the person of Jesus? So turn with me to your New Testament and turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 14. Romans 14. important passage for us. I want you to see it for yourself. Romans chapter 14, verse 5, about not passing judgment. And verse 5 says, one person esteems one day as better than another, while, other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So what is Paul saying here? He's saying, I think He's talking to Jewish and Gentile Christians and saying, no days are special. You don't need to insist that any days are special or not special. There's a freedom in Christ in terms of observation of days. Now turn with me to one more passage, Colossians, just a couple books down. You get into past Corinthians and then Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, then Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. This is perhaps what's most clear for us. Colossians 2.16, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Here, Paul is explicit that the Sabbath is not binding upon the believer. In fact, Paul describes the Sabbath as a shadow in verse 17. And I think this passage makes it very clear. The Sabbath is no longer a binding holy day for the Christian. Martin Luther, who's always good for an overstatement, said, If anywhere the day is made holy for the mere day's sake, if anywhere anyone sets up its observance on a Jewish foundation, then I order you to work on it to ride on it, to dance on it, to feast on it, to do anything that shall remove this encroachment on Christian liberty. Now you might think, oh, Luther, you're always over the top, always good for a good quote. There's so many memes about you. But here is what John Calvin says about the fourth commandment. There is no doubt that by the Lord's Christ's coming, the ceremonial part of this commandment was abolished. Christians ought therefore to shun completely the superstitious observance of days. And then he looks at Colossians 2.17 and he writes, who but madmen cannot see what observance the apostle means? So I know some of you right now are saying, yes. This means I can watch the football game. I can do whatever I want to do today. Well, not so fast. 
Let me produce one last wrinkle to our understanding of the Sabbath. There are points of discontinuity with our Old Testament, and yet there are points of continuity with the Sabbath. What I mean by that is that the Sabbath is no longer a binding holy day, and yet the principles of the Sabbath, that of worship and rest, continue. There is an abiding principle still at work because this abiding principle is rooted in creation, is rooted even before the law came in Exodus. It, came, it, it is rooted in God's rest on the seventh day. So the early church actually did not reject a weekly day of rest and devotion. In fact, there seems to be a deliberate attempt in the New Testament to consider the Lord's Day, Sunday, as a new kind of Sabbath. It's not the Sabbath, but as a new kind of Sabbath. Consider the account of the resurrection in the Gospels. In John 20, Luke 24, and Mark 16, if you ever want to turn there, uh, the Greek literally says, on the one of the Sabbath. Now, most of our translations translate it on the first day of the week. But literally in the Greek, it's on the one of the Sabbath. In other words, I think in the early church, they're starting to deem Sunday to be like a Sabbath. This exegetical suggestion is made more clear in the rest of the New Testament. Acts 20, verse 7 says, They gathered together for worship on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16.2 speaks of gathering on the first day of the week for worship as well. Revelation 1.10 refers to this day specifically as the Lord's Day. It seems that the principles of the Sabbath, worship, rest, fellowshipping with God, are now given over to the first day of the week. And the importance of the first day of the week is because it is the day that the Lord of the Sabbath rose from the dead. As Reformed Presbyterian B.B. Warfield put it, Christ took the Sabbath into the grave with him and brought the Lord's day out of the grave with him on the resurrection morn. So we've gone through a lot here this morning, and there's a lot that's been said regarding the Sabbath. And some of you are looking at me like you need a Sabbath from the sermon. Uh, There is a lot, but let me just summarize it very briefly. When it comes to the fourth commandment, we are to keep it. We love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength by keeping it. Because the principles of the Sabbath, resting in God, worshiping God, remain unchanged. So what does that mean for us? What will it look like for us, applicationally, to keep or to, yeah, to keep and the Sabbath, to keep the fourth commandment. Three things. First, delight in worshiping God. I think it's fitting that we set aside one day in seven for corporate worship. We've seen this in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. The first Christians inherited from their Jewish tradition the habit of gathering on a special day each week for prayer, fellowship, and instruction in the Word of God. That special day was Saturday under Moses, but became Sunday in celebration of Christ's resurrection. Now, I think it is tragic that for so many Christians, Sabbath-keeping is solely thought of in terms of what you can't do. Because as we saw in Genesis, 
its original intention was certainly intended to be good news, not bad. The Sabbath actually is a command to experience joy. In Isaiah 58, it says, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, my pleasure. Oh, no. If you turn back from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. What's the point of the Sabbath day? Joy. Joy. That's what it's about, to take delight in the Lord. Now, too many people see corporate worship as a good thing to do uh, if the weather is nice, but not too nice. You know, if the football game is uninteresting, it might be a good thing to do. Or the sports practice doesn't interfere, or if they're not too tired. Somehow we've gotten the idea that gathering with God's people to worship at God's throne and to hear from God's word is something fine to do when it fits our schedule. Or if we're not on vacation. Brothers and sisters, the Sabbath day is meant to be a joy. It's meant to be better than just taking a nap. It's meant to be better than going to Hawaii. It is the highlight of the week. It is an opportunity to take delight in what's most fulfilling and rewarding, that is God himself. Coming to, to worship with God's people in person, regularly singing, praying, all of this is a positive giving ourselves to God so that we might delight in our fellowship with him. So, beloved, Sunday is not a day off, it's a day on. It's a time we enter into the very purpose for which we were created. God knows the heart of man. He knows that we're prone to be workaholics. He knows we're prone to trust in ourselves and our own strength. and, And he says, come, I'm giving you a day. I'm giving you one day in seven. It's a gift to you to attend to your soul, to grow and to breathe and and to be nourished. I have a divine appointment with you. So step aside from the rat race. Step aside from your occupation and remember why you were made. Walk in communion and mutual enjoyment with me because I am what you need the most. Augustine writes, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So how do we keep, how do we love our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? It is by keeping the Sabbath. Second, trust God enough to rest. Now this is a little countercultural in our day. We live in a time and place where it's all about achievement and status and workaholism. And resting is a threat to some of our idols. You know, we, wear, we like to wear workout t-shirts, or maybe, you know, some people like to wear workout t-shirts, that say, no days off. And instead of working to rest, we seem to want to rest so that we can work more. But the goal of creation is for you to rest with the Lord. 
The Sabbath comes weekly to remind us to cease from our work, to remind us of that it's not what we do that identifies us. That is not our identity. It is who we are. We break the pattern of normal life to remind us of the giver of life. The Sabbath humbles us. It reminds us that we have our rest in someone else. And he defines who we are and why we live the way we do. So let's rest on the Lord's day. God gives us six days to prepare for it. I know we feel like we need to put in some extra hours sometimes on Sunday so that we can make sure our, we keep our jobs in the face of a recession. I know we feel like Sunday is the day to catch up on all our homework and maybe study for the big test on Monday or, or to get ahead. And I know it's difficult for those of you with young children. It's a struggle to get out of the house. And when you're here, you're thinking to yourself, why did I even come? I had to keep the baby from crying. And I'm simultaneously singing a hymn while opening up a snack for my child. I didn't get a chance to talk with anybody today. I only got half the sermon. But you know who is honored when you come? God is honored when you come. God is honored. Because you put him above everything else. Because life is more than work. And life is more than family. And life is more than hobbies. Those things are not wrong. But life is bound up with those things. But if we think that life is bound up with those things, then we deceive ourselves. Because man shall not live by bread alone. Are you dishonoring the Lord at some point if you study on Sunday? Or are you dishonoring God if you just answer a few emails? Are you dishonoring God if you practice piano on Sunday? Well, no. We're not legalists here. We're not going to set up all these rules I think we're asking the wrong question if we're asking, what can I get away with on the Lord's day? Instead, think, what blessing does God mean for me to have by resting from my usual things that I do on this Lord's day? Perhaps it means you're free to, to grab lunch with somebody. Perhaps it does mean that you're free to take a nap. Perhaps it means you're free to, to read a nice book or practice hospitality or go on a long walk or free to even come on a Sunday evening to fellowship with the saints. So how do we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? We love God by keeping the fourth commandment. Now, when we delight in worshiping God, second, when we trust God enough to rest, here's the third application. We keep the fourth commandment when we enter God's rest in Christ. Now, this one is the most explicit and also the most important. We keep the fourth commandment by resting in the finished work of Christ. There's one more passage you should turn to, and that's Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4. It's in your New Testament. You can kind of find it after all those Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all those books that start with T, like Timothy and... and uh, Titus and Thessalonians, you get to Hebrews chapter 4. And you look through verses 3 through 10, and these are kind of confusing verses here. But 
if you look there in verses 3 through 10 of Hebrews 4, God shows that there is a rest in verse 3 that he desires his people to enter into. Yet in their rebellion, this is talking about Israel, they did not enter into the rest. But in verse 9, he says, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, looking at future. Therefore, verse 11 says, let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So how do we rest? How do we rest? It is to cease from our flawed, sinful works and to rest in Christ. To find our approval there. To find our salvation there. You know, Jesus says, as Pastor Ryan earlier mentioned in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Do you hear that? Jesus bids all of us to rest in him, to find rest for our souls. The, 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 the Sabbath shadow finds its fulfillment in Jesus himself. Sabbath rest is about making Jesus the center of who we are. It means ceasing to find approval from others. Stopping the foolish quest for, for, our, for building up our own righteousness. It's trusting that true health, strength, vitality, freedom can only be found when we cease from our labors and rest in Jesus. You know, some of you this morning are working and desperately seeking for rest. Oh, and, and you're the type of person, and if you're like me, you, you feel like you always need to be doing something. And, and you're, you're cleaning all the time, or you're working all the time, or you're planning all the time, or you're worrying all the time. Or you're fussing all the time. You're trying to prove yourself to someone all the time. And you're trying to prove yourself, whether to your bosses or to your parents, or trying to prove something to yourself. And you never really know what it means to have grace. There's always something else you need to show the world that you're worth something, that you're valuable, loved, and you're okay. And Jesus says, come, come to me and find rest. Come to me by faith. Find rest for your soul. And if you're here this morning and you don't know the rest that can be found in Jesus, if you've never experienced that rest, then I exhort you to come to Christ by faith. There is only one door to the safe, peaceful, happy rest of God, and it's faith in Jesus. Your soul will find a resting place. Sin separates you from God, from your truest rest. So believe that Jesus is the Son of God who paid for your sins and that he rose again, and Jesus himself has entered into that rest as a forerunner for us. He is going to bring all those who trust in him and believe in him and place their trust in him into that rest forever. So turn to Jesus, that you might be restored to the very rest for which you were created. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, you are a wise, loving, and good God. And you give us yourself, the greatest gift of all, the place, the person in whom we can find peace, rest for our souls, delight, and enjoyment. Father, we pray that we would be people 
who find our ultimate rest in Christ. We pray for those who are necessary workers and working on Sundays and perhaps unable to rest. And we pray that they would find time in the week to reflect upon your word, to look to Christ, to find rest for their weary souls. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.